Yeah. God is good, isn't he? Yeah. He obviously needed me to keep both my hands under control, so we are ready. Thank you. I want to say thanks to the worship team. Thank you for our tech team, for all these guys and the nursery workers, the kids XP, the cafe, security, greeters. Yeah. Pretty awesome. The maintenance people that come in through the week. There's so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes that nobody sees. The only way that we can have church is because of everybody serving in some capacity. And so if you're not, you should. How's that? Sign up through the app, through the website. Let's do it. So what do you, do you know that welcome to October? Were you ready for this? It's here. Next Sunday will be our 17th blessing of the bikers. It's amazing. Yeah. If you don't know what that is, you should be here uh, next week to experience it for yourselves. You don't have to own a motorcycle. Um, you know, and then if you show up, maybe God will bless you with one in someday in the future, and you'll be able to experience something that God intended for us all to experience, you know? It's amazing. He's good. Yeah, you can just shut it off. It's fine. I'll get it next service. Thank you. Is it working? Okay, I didn't know if you were just putting me to a test or what was happening here, so... You know, all the computers work today, and everything else is all bugged out. So, you know, we had to have something happen, because we always have to tell you we're not a perfect church or perfect people, and I'm not a perfect pastor. We're here because we know we need God's help, and he's provided that help through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's amazing. Yeah, we prove it every week in some capacity, so welcome. So if you are not perfect, you're welcome to be here. This is where you belong. If you're not normal, we're not either. So if you look around and you think you don't fit in, you do, uh, and we're glad that you're here. And if you're watching online, we're glad you joined us online and come and be with us because it's incredible to be in the presence of God with his family. God intended for us to gather together. He desires for his people to come together as the body of Christ so that we might serve him fully in every way that God intends for us to serve him. And this is where we experience the fullness of God is when we're assembled together. It's an amazing thing. When you look at the letters that Jesus sent to the churches in Revelation, he tells them he walks among them. Man, is that cool or what? It's so amazing. When they gather together, he is there. And so as we gather together, he is here. Very present, very real. And I am so humbled and blessed that he would allow us to serve him and call us to this place and speak into our lives as we looked over the past several weeks, what I'm experiencing with God in my own personal life, and as we gather as the church, I'm sorry, I'm gonna, you're going to have to work with me because I'm going to be moving this mic, obviously, so the volume's going to be up and down all the time, so I can't stand still and I can't hold my hand still. Maybe give me a sling, <laughs> my hand in it. All right, so here, I want to tell you this. I don't know where I was going, but here we are now. God is speaking to us by, like, I would say that there's this topical idea that is happening right now, and we've been talking about crises in our life and living a righteous life in spite of it. And as I look at what God was speaking to us last week, and as I was praying through the week looking for today, we had looked at what God said about this righteous living in the midst of all this craziness that's in the world around us, we looked at what the Holy Spirit said and would do, that Jesus said he would do, that he would lead us into a life of righteousness in the midst of this world. And so when we look at that teaching of Jesus, 
we recognize that through the crises, through the challenges in life, we, if we are following the Lord and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead in our life, we are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Now, as you look around us and you think, well, this group needs a lot of work, you're right. Nobody here is Jesus yet, right? That's why we tell you in the very beginning, we're not a perfect church or perfect people. I'm not a perfect pastor. I'm being transformed into Christ's likeness. That's why I grow my hair long, so I look a little bit more like him every day. <laughs> yes. Anyway, we'll leave that alone. Let's go on. All right, so last week we were reading in the book of Job, right? And we looked at what was happening in his life and how he lived a righteous life pre-Holy Spirit dispensation. Before the Holy Spirit came, Job lived a righteous life purely on his dedication and will to serve God. That is an amazing dude. I mean, most of us are struggling to do it with the Holy Spirit living in us. That guy did it in his flesh. Incredible stuff. Now, as we read in the book of Job and we look at what he's saying to us here in the scripture, I want us to look at something about this, and we are going to touch on Job again today as we move forward with what God's saying to us. So here's the deal. If you weren't here last Sunday, if you were, I'm going to remind you because most of us don't remember Friday. Uh, so here it is. This is what happened in one day of Job's life, a normal day of which he was serving God, had got up and done his regular routine with God, walking in righteousness and everything. He lost all of his wealth and all of his investments, all of his properties, all of his work crews. This guy was a wealthy man, and he lost all of his children. He had seven sons and three daughters. They all died in one tragic accident when a windstorm hit the building they were in, and it collapsed. All that was left for Job was he and his wife, period. From a man of extreme stature throughout the whole region, being very wealthy and influential, a man of God, had all kinds of stuff happening in his life, to being he and his wife alone with nothing in one day. We read these verses to you last week. I'm reading them again for a reason as we look at what it says. When Job got the, the messages one after another about the absolute collapse of everything in his life, the word of God says this in Job 1.20, Job stood up, tore his robe in grief, shaved his head, and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had. The Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Yeah, isn't that awesome? In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Man, that is such an amazing... That verse right there, you know, we should probably maybe highlight that, maybe print it out, stick it on a few things, put it on the face of your phone, whatever, your electronic device. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. <laughs> Crazy stuff right there. So in spite of everything in his life collapsing in one day, he still did not blame God for his situation, for his crisis, for his problems, for the absolute collapse of everything around him. In the midst of it all, he still trusted God and worshiped him regardless. Okay. We know Satan is the one that afflicted him because we've seen behind the curtain. God's word draws the curtain back and says, hey, there was a spiritual thing happening over here that Job was unaware of. But God opened that curtain so you and I can see it that Satan is the accuser of the righteous. He is still accusing us all the time. All right, so we know this. 
We see in God's word, God is our protector. Satan is our attacker. Correct? That's what it says. And we're given visual of this right here in the word of God. And so, yes, Satan can afflict the believer, but he doesn't have freelance offering to do whatever he wants. He can only do what God allows him to do. We learned this last week as we looked in the scripture. So he is limited to what he can do with the believer. That's born-again Christians, you and I that know God through Jesus Christ and are walking with him. That's what I'm talking about when I say a believer. Satan does not have free reign with you. Now, as we look in the word of God now, in spite of everything that's falling and everything that's collapsing around Job, he stayed true and his confidence was in God and he proved God right in God having confidence in him in the tragedies and the struggles that he would face in life. So it seems in our minds, in the human flesh, that as we look at this story and we see everything happening, that Job is in line for a reward. That's the way we think. I mean, huge test. I mean, huge test. I don't know if anybody's faced a test like Job here. And if you have, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. But listen, church, as we view this and we come through this crisis of the moment and we find Job worshiping God, praising God in the midst of it all anyway, staying true to it, he's going to worship God regardless of what's happening around in his life. In our Christian modern teaching, we would expect a blessing to come. Like it's time for God to give him a big hug and say, you're my boy. Way to go. You did it. We proved Satan wrong. Church. We read further in the word of God and what it says. One day, the members of the heavenly court came again to present themselves before the Lord and the accuser, Satan, came with them. He's always the accuser. Don't forget that. Always trying to accuse us of something. Let's make sure we don't give him any just causes, okay? Did you hear that? Let's make sure we don't give him ability to accuse us before the Father. Live it, church. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. This is like the same mirror dialogue that happened in chapter one that we read last week. But this is chapter two. So listen what's happening. Then the Lord asked Satan. See, I, I think as I, I'm, I'm going to use my flesh here and my mind, my own imagination I think God was like so excited for this meeting. <laughs> He's just waiting for the moment to say, I told you so. Right? I mean, have you ever been in that position, but you're trying not to do it, but you have to? <laughs> All right, so it's what's happening right here. And, and the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. See, God has the exact same statement of who Job was even after the extreme challenges that he faced. The same statement is made by God who knows all things. He says, this is who he is, faces the crisis, and he says, this is who he is. You get that? This is who he is. <laughs> The enemy doesn't know who we are. God does. 
And as God says, I know who he is. I know what he'll do. I know how he responds. I know my boy Job. Did you check him out? Did you see what happened? He's rubbing it in Satan's face. God was bragging on him. I hope that God was able to brag about you this week, this morning, the last 10 minutes. <laughs> Satan replied to the Lord, skin for skin. A man will give up everything he has to save his own life, but reach out and take away his health, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right. Do with them as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. Oh, God flung the door wide open. God flung the door wide open. He only had one barrier, his life. He said, you can do anything you want to him, but you can't take his life. See, God knew Job. Church, God knew Job. He knew that he worshipped him, that he loved him, that he was a man of integrity. God spoke these words over Job. He spoke them to the enemy. God knew him. And now the door is flung wide open. Hold it. This is after the extreme challenge he just faced. He doesn't get a blessing for staying true. He gets a bigger challenge. You excited? Yeah. We think like, woo, I survived that one. It's time to coast. It's time for God to take me up on the mountain and affirm me. It's time for God to bless me and give me a season of harvest. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Job is greeted with his faithfulness with the greatest challenge that he ever faced in his life. Beyond anything he could ever imagine, everything broke out in his life, literally. And as we see this, listen, spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence and he struck Job with terrible boils from his head to his foot. So now, if Satan can do whatever he wants, when we read the translation of Scripture that we're talking about, boils from head to feet, I don't know if any of y'all have had a boil, one boil, if y'all had shingles or anything like that. This is something so extreme and so painful that Job would be suffering in constance while he's going through this affliction. From head to foot. The Word of God says that Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. He couldn't put clothes on his body because of the infectious boils and things that were on him. Took that broken piece of pottery to scrape those scabs and all that pus to get it off. <laughs> Just get a vision of it. This is the righteous guy, remember? This isn't a child molester. This is a man that is righteous, serving God. And as a reward for his righteousness, he is now sitting in a pile of ash, scraping open sores in agony. The one thing he has left in his life, his wife. You ready? His wife says to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? 
curse God and die. His one last hope and strength in this life, his wife, says, obviously you've screwed up somewhere that we haven't seen. You're holding on to your integrity, but you've done something because it's obvious God's judging you right now. You see how we think, church? You see how we view things in life? Because something harsh is happening. You better repent. Because when you repent, God rewards. That's the way we think. That's the way many in churches today are trying to affirm people by, man, if you serve him, everything is going to get better and better and better. That's going to happen after we die, no doubt about that. But there is nothing in Scripture that tells you that everything in this current worldly life is going to be better and better and better because you serve God. The fact of the matter is sin reigns in this world, and it sucks, and it's going to afflict your life. The fact of the matter is God says he's going to be with us with everything we face in life, and he will take us through if we'll let him. Church, we've got to embrace this. His wife says to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Obviously, he had been challenged on if he was living right or not, correct? I'm not assuming anything. I'm reading what the Word of God says. Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? She watched his response when he worshiped God in the first day, the day of all the bad news. She watched him shave his head, still worship God, and not say anything wrong. Now we're in a whole different level of problem. Are you still going to do this? Why don't you just curse God and die? Get it over with, man. Why do you have any reason to live, Job? Everything you had, everything you were doing, everything you were accomplishing is now gone. Now your health's gone. Why would you even consider living further? But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all of this, Job said nothing wrong. Wow. Well, conviction, do you feel that? See how often... And how quick we are to respond with our tongue to our issues. How fast we are to call God's attention to our crisis. How we can demand him to move in the midst of our battle. How all we think is we have to make that proclamation in faith and God is bound by his word to jump to our need. Church, those are things that the church of Jesus Christ today is taught God's people. Like, just speak the promises of God to him, and he is forced to move. <laughs> so, when we view the challenges of life that come our way, this is not all a depressing message, by the way. It's not. It's a reality thing. We've got to look at life with reality in our faith and who God is and who we are and how we walk with him. When we face challenges, difficulties that come, and we are walking with Jesus, this is not judgment for sin. Please hear that. 
Because you're facing a crisis does not mean that you are facing judgment for sin in your life. If you're living in sin, okay, deal with it, okay? But I'm talking to the believer. If you're walking with Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you are walking with God, and you are serving Him to the best of your ability, now I don't mean that as a, a scapegoat, listen to what I'm saying. And you're in the midst of a crisis, God doesn't put you in his doghouse. He is not opposed to you. God is confident in your faith in him. And when we face the challenges that come our way with an understanding that my God knows me, and he knows that I will stand for him regardless, God will only let Satan do what he knows we are good for when we hold to him. That's good news. Right now, that should have just changed everything. And we should be celebrating the fact of no matter what, church, what we face. I'm not talking about people around us. I'm talking about me. You identify yourself in this. Whatever you are facing, if you are following God, God is confident in who you are in him. That's amazing. So bad stuff doesn't always come because we have sin in our life. Bad stuff will always come if we have sin in our life. Did you follow that? All right. So throughout the Bible, we are taught that there will be difficulties in life because sin is in the world. We do have an accuser, and he's real. He's active here on this planet. As we see the conversation behind the curtain, he's like, yeah, I've been running around checking everything out that's happening there. Satan is running around the planet. I don't know how fast he can move. I don't know where he is today. He is not in all places at all times like God. He's only where he is. He is not God. But he is somewhere. Okay. Now, we know that he's active. We know that he's accusing. And he is up to his evil that he is all about. So as long as we live here... We will always face challenges, crisis, and difficulties in life. That's just part of sin that's in this world. So let's take a minute here and jump to the New Testament. I want to bring our attention to another righteous man, whom when he turned himself to God, when he was challenged with the vision of Jesus on the road to Damascus, that guy who was named Saul became Paul because God changed his name. He transformed him so much. And the Apostle Paul served God relentlessly throughout his life, and he lived a spotless, righteous life for God. He's amazing. But I want to stop for a minute, and let's look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, because when you look at Paul's life and what he was doing, and how he was living for God and preaching about Jesus before, if you don't know Paul, he was on a journey with the registered Judaistic church, the Old Testament church, to kill anyone that was believing in Jesus, to arrest them, take their home from them. He did that. And now that he's met Jesus, he's preaching Jesus, and he's been transformed. So, of course, the Apostle Paul is being attacked on every hand. He's being attacked by 
the leaders of the existing church because, you know, they wanted to prove him wrong because he's now preaching the Jesus that he was once persecuting. There are other liars that are coming up within the church. Please hear this. Accusing him of things and trying to twist the truth of Jesus so that people will follow their gospel instead of Jesus Christ. It's happening still today. And so as he writes to the church, this amazing letter that the Holy Spirit anointed him to write, I want you to hear something as he speaks to the church about his life. Are they servants of Christ? This is the Apostle Paul stating a case to the church. I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That's not the way you think it is. In the Old Testament, they would take rocks and they would throw it at someone until they died. And they did that to him until they thought he was dead, laying on the ground and just left him. The 39 lashes is with a whip with metal pieces and glass in the end of it, where he received that beating until he was scarred and bloody on the verge of death. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole day and night adrift at sea. I have traveled many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty, and I've often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden and my concern for all the churches. Now listen, this is the Apostle Paul talking about all the stuff that he's gone through since he met Jesus. So, in your current and your future crisis, do you really think God's doing something wrong to you? Do you think that he owes you something? Do you think he's going to turn it around because you've earned it? <laughs> you know, it seems like when I read the Bible, what you earn for doing the right thing is another challenge. <laughs> Congratulations. It's another opportunity for us to grow and become more like Christ. This is not the scariest way you're going to face crisis no matter what. We're going to go through it with him or we're going to go through it without him. I'll go through it with him any day. <laughs> All right, so some of us feel like we're God's black sheep of the family. You know, like there's a lot of people that think they're the black sheep of the family and they do that in the family of God as well. You know, it's like, well, you know, I'm not really God's favorite. Man, yeah, anyway, I've had people tell me, well, that's because God, you're one of God's favorites. I'm like, mm, yeah, okay, sure. You have no idea what my life is all about. You know nothing. You know, 
Anyway, that's not a complaint. I'm just saying, like, it's funny how we can look at others and think their life is so much better than ours. And all we know is what we know. We know nothing else. But we own the black sheep of God's family thing. Like, you know, God's enjoying afflicting me. Like the little boy with the magnifying glass frying ants. You know, it's like, sorry if you don't do that. I did that when I was a kid, you know. But, you know, like... uh, It's like God's like, hey, I'm going to like, oh, there's Dave. Yeah, look at him. Look at him smoke over there, you know? I mean, seriously, some of us think God's like that. Why would we think that? I want to tell you that I, I confess this to you. I don't understand everything that happens in this world. I don't. I've been there with little kids that are dying. I know there are children born with issues. We're going to go pray over one this afternoon. Not going to live a full life. Never know what it's like to live a a normal life. Okay, I do know this. Sin is the cause. I don't understand, though, why I don't have those problems and they do that. I don't understand. I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm being grateful. I don't know why that God allows my wife to be in remission. Why others don't? It's not like because I'm God's favorite or she is. I don't understand those things. I don't, church. I'm letting you know I don't. But I do know this. I know God is just and he is right. And I trust him. (laughs) Sin has brought everything that is wrong in this world. And human beings, us, we ushered this in. So when people ask me why, I'm like, well, sin. That's why. It's not God. It's sin. Sin has caused everything that is wrong and evil, everything that is sickness, and everything that is death. Sin has brought that in, and we did that by doing it our way instead of God's. And the Word of God says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So like, we're not going to blame Adam and Eve. We screwed up too. And so as we look at our own life and we look at the things that are going on around us and it's like, man, you know, it is only because of God's mercy and grace that he ever reached out to us to allow us an opportunity to once again have a relationship with him because none of us deserve it. We deserve the judgment of God. Church, we've earned the judgment of God. Is there anyone here that hasn't? We have earned the judgment of God. And instead, we've been given an offer of life and love and eternity with him. (laughs) He's amazing. The accuser of the world, the one that we gave authority here, is at work. And I know this. God is good. And he is always at work to redeem lost humanity. And so if through whatever I face, he can reach someone, then so be it. Whatever you face. See, God's all about the redemption of humanity. God's will, God's desire is for everyone to spend eternity with him. That is God's will. He says so in the word of God. 
He has called us into this relationship with Him, and He created us for a love relationship with Him in the very beginning, and His intention is for that to still happen. Here and forever. The same Holy Spirit that carried Paul through all those things we were just reading about. The same Holy Spirit that had him write those words as a reminder to you and I about the fact that things happen to us in life and they can happen to us because we're serving God. We read again in Romans chapter 8. Another one of the letters the Holy Spirit anointed Paul to write. Listen to these words. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? (laughs) Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? (laughs) You hear that? He's asking the church like, hey, just because you're going through stuff, does that separate you from the love of God? No. As the scriptures say, For your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Yeah. Hallelujah, man. Yeah, he's not done. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, is that awesome. See, God has revealed his love for us by coming as one of us and suffered and died so that you and I might have life here and now and in eternity. Man, church, this passage has often been misquoted and people have used it to think that no matter what I do, the relationship with God will not be damaged. You've heard it that way. I know you have. Yeah, nothing can separate us. I'm safe in this. No, listen, we're totally taking that out of context when we talk about that. Look at what it's telling us. The Word of God is actually saying to us that God's love remains the same whether we're going through good times or bad. Just because we're going through bad things doesn't mean we have been separated from the love of God. Guess what? God loves you when you're sick. God loves you when you're suffering. God loves you when you lose your job. God loves you the same no matter what. That's what the Word of God is telling us. No matter what the enemy tries to do to us, God still loves us the same. Man, we measure things and we compare things and we look at, well, if he loved me, this wouldn't happen. You know, come on, you all been dating in your life, right? (laughs) This is how stupid people are. And if you heard this, if you loved me, you would. Really? That's what love is? (laughs) See, what we tell someone that we want to have, we tell them, if you loved me, you would, and we give them what we want as the answer. And so we treat God the same way. If you loved me, you would, or you wouldn't. (laughs) No, the Word of God's telling us, like, hey, whatever you got to go through in life, 
it doesn't change the, the fact that God loves you. He loves the sinner. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only. Okay, so God's love is changeless. This is what he's telling us. <laughs> okay, the man of God, the prophet Jeremiah, he went through some really tough times as well. Again, like, all you got to do is read your Bible. This, again, is not to depress you, but spend some time in, Roman, I mean, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and see everything those people went through. If you're feeling bad about your life, read your Bible. <laughs> the man of God, Jeremiah, who was called as a youth to be the prophet of God, to be the mouthpiece of God to his people, a people that were rebellious and would not repent and turn to God. He was called to proclaim to them the judgment of God that was coming. He told the Lord, I'm just a kid. I can't do this. And God said, I'm filling your mouth. You're doing it. Well, his whole nation turned their back on God. And as a result, God's judgment fell upon the nation. There were righteous people in that nation. Probably should all pay attention to this right now. There were righteous, God-fearing, God-serving people in that nation. But the nation had rejected God. And as a result, God's judgment fell on the nation. And because God's judgment fell upon the nation, God's people faced difficulties as well. Lamentations. The book of Lamentations, lamenting. Jeremiah's prayers, his weeping. He was called the weeping prophet. This is what he says in chapter 3. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. Listen to his statement right there. He is in the midst of heartache and grief. He is homeless. He is suffering. And he tells us this. But he says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him. To those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. Ooh. There's a little bit of a wake-up call, huh? Right in the midst of his crisis, his homelessness, his loss of everything. He's like, you know what? God's still my hope. He's my everything. And it's really important that all of you all that are young, get this now. You need to own this. We've got to learn to trust God through it all. We've got to learn to trust God when things don't go the right way, when bad things happen. 
when the health report isn't good, when the nation faces judgment from God, we have to learn to know that God is good and that He is our hope, our refuge, and our strength, that He is our Redeemer, and that He has not lost sight of us. It's easy to worship God in this environment. We have an amazing worship team. We do. They're, I mean, seriously, if you can't worship God in this church, in this environment right here, you've got something jacked up in you. I mean that seriously. I mean, even if it's not your style of music, the Spirit of God is strong. It is. And so I look at I'm like, man, Lord, you know, when we're in your house, it's like, he's so good to us, man. Isn't it cool how we can come into his house and it's like this place of refuge, away from the distractions of the world. You should shut your phones off and not be on Facebook and different things like that when you're in God's house. You should just be with him, away from the cares of this world. And it's easy to worship God and love him in the environment of a worship service. It is. It's another thing altogether to worship God when we've lost everything. When we're facing the biggest crisis of our life. It's where true worship happens, church. That's where our worship is. I've, I've said this before, you know, like, a lot of times we measure our own spiritual life by the high moments. And so we would measure our spiritual life with Christ the way we feel in church, say, or something else. But the truth of the matter is your spiritual life is measured by wherever you are through the week. So if on Wednesday you're like talking smack to God, that's really a reflection of your true spirituality. If you're complaining about stuff in your life to God and telling him he's not doing his job, that's really where you are. I don't care what you do in church on Sunday. God doesn't care. I mean, he cares. You know what I'm saying. If you've lost it all, if you're facing the biggest crisis of your life and you still worship and love God as you wait for something to change, yeah, God's like, that's my boy, that's my girl right there. Right there. Will you be his boy or girl today? Will you hold true no matter what? Will you praise and worship him no matter what? <laughs> Church, the altar's open. If you don't know Jesus, you need him. If you do know him, are you praising God and waiting in your situation? Did you hear what the word of God said? Waiting, waiting. It may be a long wait. <laughs> Yeah, if you read the book of Job, he was waiting for a long, long time before anything ever made sense to him about his situation. You're going to trust the Lord today? He loves you. He's calling us, church, to trust him, to own him in every situation of our life. Father, we love you. We praise you for just the ability to be here and worship you publicly, to have a house that declares your word and that we can serve you in, God, together as a family. God, we are so blessed. <laughs> and you are so good. Thank you, God. Pray for my brothers and sisters that are going through crisis, not just here in this congregation, not just those listening online, but around this world. 
as your people are going through it, Lord. Pray for the Spirit of God to just lift them up today. Lift their eyes to the hills where our help comes from. <laughs> we love you, Lord. You're amazing. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. church. Thanks for being here today. He loves you.